Welcome to the Turf Nutrition and Management Podcast, the podcast for professional turf managers. Here, we talk about the profession, the ever-changing products, and the business side of owning and operating a turf management company. Whether this is your first year in the business or your 20th, our discussions and special guests will help you continue to grow a successful business. Now, here are your hosts with 35 plus years in the green industry, Kevin and Doug. All right, guys, welcome back to the Turf Nutrition and Management Podcast. It is myself, Kevin Salters, with our co-host, Douglas Gray, down down the coast. How was your week this week, Doug? Awesome. You know, it's uh, just more early order stuff than anything. It's, uh, you know, we're, we, today, we hit the no fert yeah, time law. zone um, for until March 1. Um, you can do specialty applications without nitrogen, but... Um, no, no, no more nitrogen until March one, and uh, um, but you know it's more early order stuff. Getting ready for the golf show or the turf show next week in Atlantic City. Um, stop by the booth if you're going. Come check out the Steel Greens. Um, other than that, it's been a great week. Awesome. And with us today is Brandon Welch from Welch Turf Solutions down in in Clover, South Carolina. Uh, thanks for joining us, and good afternoon, Brandon. How are you? Good. How are y'all doing? We are living awesome. it. Good deal. Thanks for having me on. Our pleasure. So yep. we're going to jump right into it and just you go ahead and give us your bio, you know, your your backstory, where you came from, why you're here, what you're doing. We, we want to know it all. So um, I got into kind of the green industry after I graduated from high school. Um, I was helping a guy out that lives in my town. He was the head groundskeeper for the Charlotte Knights major league, or minor league baseball team. And that was kind of my plan to get into was baseball fields. So um, I had applied to school as an undeclared major, uh, ended up switching that to turf grass my freshman year. Um, while I was in college, I uh, got into the golf aspect of it. Not a golfer, but enjoyed the work. So, And at the time, jobs were plentiful when I graduated. And so from there, got a good internship. Uh, about 45 minutes from where I, where I live in Charlotte, uh, was able to graduate and get a management role at the same course, um, right about the time that COVID hit. And then when that happened, obviously all the fun shut down. <laughs> and so a friend of mine and I are kind of a funny story. I called a friend of mine that I went to school with, went to high school and college with. He was working at another golf course in Charlotte as an assistant superintendent as well. Um, brought up the idea to him about what he thought about spraying yards. And he told me that he already had a 150 gallon rig that he had bought a year prior. And, um, so I said, let's get started. We started, you know, trying to make some calls and get some business. We did it together for two years, grew from what started out as four family friends that were willing to take a chance on us to about 46 clients. Um, Neither of us were really comfortable with quitting our day jobs at the time. So it got to be a bunch of really just a mess of trying to um, accommodate each other's schedules. And so we decided to split, um, still talk to him on the phone every day, go over what we're doing, what our plan is, what we're seeing. Um, Really, really a good um, kind of person to bounce things off of. Um, But yeah, we split november of last year so been on my own since um basically how we split it was whoever recruited what yards is the person that kept that yard so i think it it, we we were always charging by the square footage so it wound up being pretty even i think each of us started off with like between four and five acres so there was no complaints there but anyway since then um i don't know what the heck i did right but you know it kind of just boomed from there so what do you what are you considering a boom? I have quadrupled in size in the past nine months. Nice. So that's um and this is just something that I've been doing in the afternoons and um you know on the weekends and it, it it's turned into well more than more than I can do with a fifty hour week job at a golf course an hour away from home. So <laughs> You know, I've I've made the decision that 
I'm going to go ahead and put all my eggs into this basket starting next year, oh. keep an eye on the economy. But yeah, no, it's, I started off doing this just to kill time and buy a diamond ring for my wife. And, um, after that it turned into, well, we bought a house and so there's things that go along with that. And, you know, just kind of the, the natural growth of it just turned into something that I figured I'd make a career out of. Nice. Nice. What golf course did you work at? It's um Carmel Country Club. It's a 36-hole facility right down the road from Quail Hollow in South Charlotte. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I was down at Quail Hollow a couple years ago, uh, more than a couple years ago, probably 10 years ago. And uh, um, I, think I, I, I think I remember the name. I think I might have dro- driven right past it as going to the club. So, so yep, you probably did. So, Brandon, should we should we hold off on airing this until after you give your notice? <laughs> no, no, and you know I've been I've been really blessed. Um, you know, I, earlier in the year, I kind of through just different conversations with my director or my director of greens and grounds, just kind of said, "Hey, you know, I don't think my path is to be a superintendent anymore. Here's reason X, Y, and Z." And you know, like I said, I'm blessed that he basically gave me the green light. I could stick around as long as I needed, but, oh, that's uh, nice. you know, yeah. And I mean, it just, I, I just tried to be as open as I could about it. We've always had a pretty good working relationship. So everything kind of turned out. Well, I can tell by the start of this and what we have today, this is probably going to be a two-parter because we've got mix of turf grass to go over what you're applying but as you starting a business, I think this is where Doug and I can probably be the most benefit to you of helping you get your feet underneath you correctly so that this does become successful. And that's going to be the know your number stuff and really charging what you're worth. And we've all said it and we all know it. If we're getting so many customers so easily, we may be just a little too cheap. 100%. You know, so and we don't want to scare you because you you know you want that revenue, but it's it's very difficult to increase prices at the acclement that you need to if you are coming out of the trenches too low. And and we don't want to talk about your application prices on the podcast. We can do that after and and in a personal call, but we definitely be more than happy to help you. Not saying that we know everything, but we've, like I said, we've said all the time, we've made just about every mistake out there. But just to kind of point you in the right direction and make sure that, you know, that house that you have and that ring that you bought and all that stuff is that those habits continue. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess we'll leave the numbers part for now, but, you know, I know we connected a little bit prior to, and, and you've got a mix of grass down there that just <laughs> scratches our dug in our head because. You know, last week, the, the episode was completely warm, that grass, but you've got the beautiful mix of both and how you handle that. So explain the different types of grasses you're dealing with and, and your attack on those. Well, it's pretty easy from basically, I would say, October through April, I'm making fescue pretty. And from May through September, I'm keeping it alive. Um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it really comes down to that. Um, I won't put granular fertilizer down outside of, um, you know, the months of October, November, December, January, February, March, April. By May 1st, I cut off all granular nitrogen going in the ground to fescue. Um, reason being, we're in a hot, humid climate down here. Um, I can keep my fescue's appearance up through the use of liquid fertilizers rather than granular when I'm spraying my fungicides. Mm-hmm. So from the months of May through September, I've got five fungicide applications to make and I'm, you know, rotating the same chemicals that we're always talking about, the T methyl, propiconazone, and oxystrobin. Oh, you rotate? But, um, <laughs> That's <yes> new. <laughs> nice. I love it. Yes, sir. So from roughly May 20th, you're going to get propiconazole. 21 days later, you're probably going to get T-methyl. Heat of the summer, late June, you're going to get azoxystrobin. That kind of gives me a chance to catch my breath because late June, early July, I'm due for another pre-emerge on your yard. So that's a busy few weeks for me or has been just the way my schedule's laid out. Um, and then we're going to back it right back up with T-methyl and likely finish the year with propiconazole or azoxystrobin, just depending on the weather. Three different modes of action. That's the way to do it. Absolutely. And everything has to be preventative. I mean, if you you get behind it here, it's, you know, 
it's almost impossible to to get rid of it at that point. Absolutely. And, um, you know, another question that I always get down here is if you have a fescue yard, you know, I'm more expensive than true. We've talked about the, we just said we weren't going to talk about the numbers, but I'm more expensive than true green. So a big question that I get with a lot of um, fescue yards is, well, can we just do herbicide? I said, no, I always say no. Um, down here, if you do not have fungicides, you're going to have bare patches in your yard. And I always tell people, if you have bare patches in your yard, there is no herbicide strong enough to keep crabgrass from breaking through. So <laughs> that's I've turned down more people because they're just not willing to have eight applications a year rather than three. I I uh, think you, know, you it, staying to that is going to make you more successful than you know. Well, I hope so. We're kind of seeing that a little bit up here too. Is our, our the last few years our summers have been? I mean, I'm I'm, I'm speaking about New Jersey. Um, our summers have been whew, pretty brutal. Um, whether it's too dry, too wet, people don't know how to water, or a combination of it all. Um, cultural practices aren't being done correctly, and it just we have nothing but disease issues in the summer and. You know, a lot of conversation is being done up here about doing liquid apps in the summer, um, shorting, shortening those intervals um, to every three or four weeks, opposed to trying to get six to eight weeks out of a fertilizer application um, and relying on Mother Nature or a homeowner to water in their lawn. And so these conversations are happening and some some will do it. Some won't because um, it costs. Um but at the same time, if we if we don't change the way we're doing things, we're going to be we're going to continue to fight the same battles year in and year out because our weather is not going to be any better moving forward. Um, yeah, every once in a while we might get a, a year that's decent, but I don't think our weather is uh, going to change for, for the most part year in and year out. It's always hot and humid in your area. So, um, so you're so. telling me, Doug, you're a scientist now, that global warming is happening? Is that what you're telling me up here? I'm going to have uh, beachfront I, property soon? I, I don't think it's, <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's global warming. I just see the weather changing. I think weather is cyclical, in yeah. my opinion. Um, I think we're just seeing a, a shift in some weather conditions. Um, that That's all. I just think, you know, if you look back into the 50s, I think, some of our hottest years on records were in the fifties. Um, you know, so it's just, I, I just believe weather is cyclical and we're just in a pattern that we're having hotter than normal weather. And Hey, in 10 years, we might be cooler than normal. I don't know. Well, and uh, I'm not going to say it's here. It's, Global warming is here or not. There, um, it's just, I believe it's cyclical. It, there's definitely global warming coming on. How much of it, of us humans are creating it. That's a whole different story. But you know, when, when they're finding cavemen that were frozen in ice and now they're defrosting, well, it was warm again because they weren't frozen in ice. So, it, again, it, it's ever-changing. But mm -hmm. I, I do agree with this whole statement. You know, us learning more about warm-season grasses and then, Brendan, you're in the Carolinas, which is halfway up the coast of the United States and dealing with a lot of the issues that we're starting to see in the Northeast and people are even seeing in, let's say, below Michigan area, that stuff, which is typically cool. We're starting to see these diseases and these temperatures that are cool season grasses that we've been dealing with for years just can't handle. And, and we do need yeah. to change our cultural practices, no matter what you throw at them. Absolutely. Hey guys, are you struggling with your social media? Or maybe you were like Doug and I and just take a ton of pictures and never seem to get them posted in a consistent manner. Well, thanks to creative content by Jessica, this task can be completely removed from your to-do list. If you're looking to increase both social media presence and your client base, Jessica can definitely help. From a simple post to the complete management of your social media platforms, Creative Content by Jessica specializes in creating and posting relevant material targeted to your audience. You know, we met Jessica and utilized her creativity by creating our monthly newsletter. It went from a simple email that we would send to our clients to a beautiful piece that is now attached to an email every month that our clients get. These same pieces can be printed and sent out as direct mail marketing. Creative Content loves to do direct mail marketing pieces and this allows you to engage your clients from all different platforms. 
You can find creative content by Jessica across all social medias. And once you reach out to her, just tell her we said hi. One thing that I've always kind of relied on and, you know, obviously with fescue behind disease, there's always just heat stress down here. And, you know, that's probably the biggest fight. Mm -hmm. I, I, I tried a little something new this year and I started putting a phosphite in the tank with every fun. Nice. Oh, Doug Love is it. all excited. Love it. Oh, we're not going to be able to. That has made the biggest difference because not only is it a phosphite, but it's also, it's a zero 30, 30 product. So I've got phosphorus in that liquid as well. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'm just seeing a lot better drought tolerance. I'm seeing a lot better, just, you know, we're not seeing the leaf blades shrivel up quite as bad. And this is across the yards. This isn't just irrigated yards either. Phosphate has been in golf see. forever, not forever, since like the early 90s. And here in our area, I have some who use phosphate and their lawns look great. Um, but most of the time, most people will not buy phosphate. They'll buy potassium acetate because they think that's the way to go. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong. Um, but phosphate has so many plant health benefits to it. It's unbelievable. And it gives you pretty damn good control of brown patch. It does not control dollar spot. But because of the plant health aspect, I believe, believe it gives you a little bit of suppression. Um, but it's preventative, not curative. Um, but man, it's a great addition to any program in the summer months. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I even, I mean, heck, I even put it in a July spray on Zoysia and Bermuda. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, dollar spot, or we're not saying dollar spot, but you know, diseases during that time frame when these heavy thunderstorms are hitting do pop up even in the Zoysia and the Bermuda. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really harm the turf, but I have seen a little bit of pythium in there. And yep. Phosphites are fine or pretty good for pythium. Oh, 100%. And, uh, that, that's the main, that's actually the main uh, purpose for them. Um, so, you know, back in the day uh, when, <laughs> not that golf courses don't, some golf courses don't have big budgets, but a lot of them don't anymore. So there was, it's a product called um, Aliette, or signature uh, that is sprayed in the golf market, but now it's just on greens. Well, it's God, $450 an acre. Well, that used to be sprayed in fairways, but not anymore. Um, so we've transitioned most golf courses to phosphites, depending on which one you're using. They vary in price and whatnot, depending on what's in it. Um, but you got to really look, be cognizant of the fact to know how many grams per a uh, thousand square feet that you're going to be putting down of phosphate. So there is a measurement on that. I have calculators that can do all that for anybody to tell you how much phosphate you're actually going to put down. But most golf courses, every two weeks, they spray phosphate. On higher cut turf, I don't think that you have to go every two weeks, but every three to four is a good, good uh, number. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like I said, the, the longest that my fescue lawns go without a fungicide during the, the hot months of the year is 28 days. Yeah. So, and you know, during, so that would be my azoxystrobin spray. Mm -hmm. I might go at a two and a half ounce rate with the phosphite during that just to put a little more in the tank. Mm -hmm. Now, if it's 96 degrees when I'm spraying this, I'm going to go a little lower because potassium does tend to kind of burn a little bit in my experience. Well, I don't that's, know if that's the that, same. That's, that's the actual... That's the actual phosphate doing that, not the potassium. It's um, so when phosphates first came out, our rates in golf were like six to nine ounces per thousand. Truly, if you want a true phosphate spray to do great, great, great results, that's really where they should be. Maybe five ounces would be a good number. But the problem with that is, is that it gets in the plant so fast, you almost get like a little yellow look for a day or two. But then after that, man, it's like, look out, your your grass never looks better. So that's the phosphate uh, doing that. Understood. Now, you coming from, from golf, Brandon, obviously here's where the, the phosphates come because, you know, the, it is newer, say, terminology, you know, in, in the residential turf. Um, how are you making your application? So we, we know 
how, how you're incorporating this into your load. Uh, as far as just liquid versus granular or yeah um, you're you're alternating between the two you know give us give us a rundown of your program you don't have to go and talk about each specific but you know is round one granular and what are you doing with that you know because everyone is a little bit different depending on their where they live and the climate of how their program rolls oh no uh, anything that i spray or anything that ends inside that i put out is going to be liquid um i'm running out of my spray tank I haven't seen any real reason to to change that. I, I did make a granular um, prodiamine application last year, but that was, you know, more or less out of necessity than want. Uh, it, but yeah, no, I'm I'm basically outside of true plant health. I'm 100% liquid, so I'll do granular fertilizer, but that's about it. Got it. And how is that being applied by a push spreader or do you have mechanical? Yep. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm just a um, skid sprayer in the bed of my truck and a, you know, let's go push spreader. And that's pretty much my operation. What's what, your spray volume? Sorry. What's your spray volume when you're spray, spraying your lungs? I'm spraying at 50 gallons an acre. Okay. Yep. Now what's your average lawn size? It's about seventeen thousand square feet. Oh, so you're so you're working. Oh yeah, no, I'm. You're at the gym. Yeah, no, I'm. <laughs> absolutely no, I'm putting in miles every day. Uh, the, you know the, and I've heard y'all talk a lot about the ride-on sprayers and stuff like that. You know, the one thing that has me hung up on that is just the landscaping and the lawns that I have. It is they. I do have a few lawns that are truly an acre. Um, the only problem with that is. A few of them have tight fences. A lot of them have really, really intricate landscapes that, you know, a boom sprayer may may even be less efficient in. And, you know, that, that they're just higher-end homes that have a really good landscaper installing their plants for them, and they look awesome. But, you know, in my opinion, a lot of the times, the skid sprayer is just quicker for me. And that's just kind of that. I've got to... I think I'm running with a 21 foot swath on my gun. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a pretty big area that I'm covering relatively quickly. Um, but that's, that's kind of my take on it. And, you know, I don't think you're wrong. I don't think you're wrong. Um, you know, when you're dealing with lawns that size and under, um, I do believe spraying by hand can be quicker. Um, you know, not everybody has, Kevin Salter's size lawns, hey. of, you know, 720 acres. <laughs> no. um, I'm just kidding. But, you know, he has his average lawn is like probably what, an acre to an acre and a half in that ballpark? Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and yeah, I could. That's a little different. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, you know, and again, I'll, you know, back in my day, you know, it's we we sprayed most lawns um, until you got to a certain level or you had so many lawns in a row that didn't have fences, so to say. Um, but, you know, the, the little rinky-dink lawns, I remember this was probably in 2003. We had let a guy go in our Haddonfield area. Um, he just wasn't doing the job. And uh, I took one of my guys over into the Haddonfield area, and the lawns are like three to 5,000 square feet a few mixed in between that were like, you know, 15 to 20 in that ballpark. And we went and did like a hundred lawns in one day. And they were all like, they were all close by. I would ride the truck down. He would drive the truck down. We'd take turns spraying the lawns and, you know, it, you can be really, really efficient. I believe with spraying, I think Chris Stout has said it. The guy who's been on our podcast twice said it flat out, you know, he just feels that uh, the spraying side of it's much more productive for him and his guys. Absolutely. And I do agree with that in, in certain areas. And again, I'm just, yep, I am in a little bit of different environment. And yep, if you, if you, I mean, if you want me to get a tank spray, we can just cancel my order. <laughs> no, <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I might be stupid, but I ain't dumb. <laughs> no, if I had those size lawns, especially at our age, yeah. oh, hell no. I'd be, I'd be having five machines out there. And, and the difference is, you know, we, 
we are still, or myself, you know, I'm still incorporating a decent amount of granular applications in with liquid. So, you know, if it was 100% liquid at all times, I could see somewhat of a difference, but the machines are moving with the times of being able to carry the volumes that you do need. So to blow a gallon per thousand out of a, a steel greens, a piece of cake, and, and with the add-on tanks, you know, a regular 52 is 60 gallons, put the additional tank on, it's 95, the, the XL is 120, the new uh, 54 is 100 gallons. So you, know, you can get your decent coverage out of it. It's more of carrying the water volume that you need to do your work on a truck. And, and that in this situation that I have, but be that as it may, we're not talking about me. Um, Brandon, you said that, you know, you split away from a partnership or a network of another gentleman who knows if it's a true partnership. So, you know, that happened and, and here you are, are you down there have a, a lull when you're not working at all? Or is this a 365? Are you in that time where you're on the turf all year long? Six months ago, I would say that it's pre- that I was probably spending, you know, probably three hours a day, four days a week doing it average. At this point, it, you know, it, it truly has gotten to be every weekend, and then there's something I can do every day. Um, how efficiently I do things is a little bit skewed with having a full time job. However you know, on days that I do, that I am able to do sun up to sundown, I'm looking at, you know, filling out, I, I can fill out a few days a week full time, no problem, just truly doing what I would like to do on no time frame and being able to get everybody in. It, it has become, you know, there's not many days that go by where I don't do anything for my company. Uh, let, me, let, me, let me say it that way. Um, I can't put a real real time stamp on it. Cause it does kind of vary. Um, I would say about half of the time that I spend is spraying, you know, probably a quarter of the time is fertilizing. And then, you know, I have been taking on projects. I do lay sod. Um, I do install drainage, you know, basically I do anything that I've learned to do on the golf course that I enjoy. A lot of it's project work. Um, I'll do maintenance to irrigation systems. Um, there's there's always something I can do to keep myself busy throughout the week. I have found that, and that's been, frankly, really enjoyable. Do, do you do any applications uh, to the sod when you're doing sod work? Um, you know, like phosphite or, you know, wetting agents, things like that? No, I don't. Um, one thing that I usually do is because I've never laid – a piece of sod that hasn't turned into a spray contract. Um, <laughs> so usually what I do, there's a good product I put down. It's 32.35 on Bermuda and Zoysia sod that I lay. Um, it's prilled with iron on it. So it turns the grass super green, super quick. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, even if they're not on board right off the bat, generally I'm not sodding entire yards. I'm cleaning up after other contractors, whether or not they've gotcha. had a pool put in or a new driveway installed. The, the sod that I lay ends up just looking so much better. And they ask me, you know, <laughs> can you clean up the rest of the yard? Gotcha. Well, absolutely. Gotcha. So Curious, I have a, a lot of my guys who do some sod work and uh, they'll do some applications, uh, especially when we get into the summer months um, to help with water, you know, making, you know, the sod be more viable, you know, with water and uh, some biostimulants to help with root uh, development. So, um, you know, and it's been working pretty good and not getting as many, let's say, uh, callbacks about, you know, 200 square foot that died, you know what I mean? Because the irrigation wasn't working properly or whatever. So um, just curious more than anything. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's really about all I do. And, you know, on the quote, I usually say, you know, I'm not responsible for any side that dies if you do not accept my program, because heck, I don't know if you're watering every day or not. I'm not going to drive by your property and figure that out. But if you, if I, if you are on a program to where I am on the property once a month, I can notice things that are changing and address them. So there's always that option. So, I'm just trying to figure this all out. So you said you roughly every 28 days you're on a property. Yes. So moving forward into your business, how many of those visits can you do uh, 
in that month? And, you know, where do you see yourself growing? Like, I can handle 300, I can handle this many acres, I can, how, how are you trying to plan this all out to be successful? As I've kind of found, I can pretty much, I can handle about 33 acres by myself before I'd be honestly either looking A, to buy a ride-on sprayer and hopefully speed things up or be higher um, or raise my price. I don't, I don't know which route I would go, but. <laughs> Um, I pick, no, I pick the last one every year, do it every year <laughs> but and, no, you still, I can, and you still end up with more customers. Yeah, absolutely. No, but I, you know, according to what I think and you know, what I can get done, what time frame, and, you know, factoring in about a half a day a week that I can't work due to weather, you know, I think that somewhere between 32 and 35 acres is what I can handle. And I think that's a pretty good number to live with. Just doing math. Sorry. Always doing math. Um, 1.4 million, (laughs) almost 1.5. Yeah. Now, now, speaking with that, one of the challenges I do have is, you know, going from fescue to Bermuda and zoysia. Um, Those grasses require different chemicals. And there are times where I put, you know, both pre and post-emergent herbicides in the tank that, it's going to take me a couple hours to thoroughly tank clean. Um, if I just finish up a spectacle application on Bermuda, yeah. I've got to go home and tank clean before I can even think about touching fescue. Absolutely. Oh, my God, yeah. No doubt about that. So, so it, is, it is two separate programs. It, Not that you're ready, but that would be one of the benefits of a ride-on machine, having two separate tanks that you can keep two different products when you need more efficiency. Yeah. And oh yeah, no, and I don't want to sound closed minded to getting a ride on sprayer either. <laughs> yeah, and, and we're not trying to sell you on one right now. I you know, I think the the growth just becomes natural. Yep. You know, I, I was reading one of the posts at four thirty this morning when I typical am typically up about doing dual applications and dual applications for the granular hopper that can run two different products of a granular hopper and, and people are like, Oh yeah, they make them I believe it was a turfware and why don't you just get a blended product? <laughs> but uh, yeah. I, I just so you know, there there's certain parts of the country that just haven't um, haven't tried the new technology that that is out there, and never mind the have a good sales rep that can show them the great products that they can be putting down in supplement of running two different products at one time, which is crazy. And and it just goes back to you. I do it all the time, like. Right now, I'm doing liquid nutrition, but one of them has triclopyr in there. So if I get to a lawn that has some ground ivy or stuff that needs to be dusted, swap the tank, and now I'm running that and the other. Now, that's a little bit different than going out on new seeded lawns, which I did today. I, you know, I made sure it was sprayed out of the lines before I jumped onto an overseed that I did a while ago, but I still didn't want to ding it. Um, the machines are totally capable of doing that, and the water volume can can be there. You know, a yep. gallon to a gallon and a half all day long, up to two yep. gallons with their new pumps. So just just want to bring that out to the air, and and the hose drag spray, wicked fast. I get it. It really, really is. But like you said, once you people start getting growth, you know, I started with a push spreader and a backpack sprayer. That that's how I started, and then I moved up to a Z spray and then a tank sprayer and Doug's trying to sell me all this stuff this winter. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to have a fleet. It's going to be sweet. He's going to, he's going to need one of those, uh, tractor trailers. Yeah. The, uh, the car, yep. the car, uh, transporters or whatever they are. Eventually we've got, we've got some, <laughs> we've got some crazy ideas. If they all come true, man, it is going to be super, super efficient. Um, Oh, my phone's going to be ringing off the hook from them on Monday. So good. Um, because you know, it's, you're going to find in your growth, and it, it's it's so exciting. We've all been through it. Doug's been through it. I've been through it. You know, you're going to work up to the point to where it's like up to your chin, and then you're going to move to the next level, and then you're going to be right back down to your belt buckle, and then you're going to slowly build it back up to your chin again, and then you're going to expand. And that's the fun. You know, that's the the seek, hunt, kill of being an entrepreneur. That's what it's all about. You, you if you don't if you don't have that drive, stay home, go work for someone. But you obviously have that drive, and that's what's going to turn you on and keep you moving to the next step and the next step and the next step. And that, that those are the exciting things that we get to talk about. 
So what what are the uh, what are the, like the main weeds besides crabgrass that you battle in your area? I have not found a pre-emerge that covers Virginia buttonweed yet. <laughs> Effectively. <laughs> so what do you use for Virginia buttonweed? Because believe it or not, I am finding more and more and more and more and more <laughs> Virginia buttonweed here in South Jersey. It's just your general speed zone type product. Okay. And uh, okay. cool season grass. In warm okay. season, I, I spray tribute total on it. Okay. Um, that's kind of what I thought. You know, I was... I. I think I told a few people just to use your regular three-way with some trachyl here and it'll knock it right out. Um, but we, I don't see it a lot, but I've seen it probably at least 10 times this year, which is probably eight more times than I saw it last year. And I'm just like, Oh, here we go. <laughs> Another, you know, weed that we're going to have to battle with up here um, besides green Kalinga, which is just predominantly getting worse. Um, cause I just think that nobody wants to spray it or we're using products that are just, it's just knocking it down. Do you battle green Kalinga down in South Carolina? Not, not a crazy amount. No. Okay. Um, yeah, no, that, I see a little bit of Kalinga pop up here and there, but it's, it's nothing that I, you know, bang my head against the wall for. Yeah. I'm not sure if there's a pre-emergent for green Kalinga or not green Kalinga, um, Virginia buttonweed. And if there is. I, I'll. I don't even know because um, I don't think that there is. To be honest with you, it's a big. Well, it's unfortunately, a big uh, Ronstar is, and that's not legal. So, so be it. Ronstar is, is gal is golf. In, in golf, yeah. Yeah. So, so when we do our, yep. So we'll do our granular Ronstar spread in the spring at the golf course, and technically, Ronstar is labeled for buttonweed which is unfortunate for us on the home lawns. Hmm. So you, is that, is that like country? I mean, I sell Ron Star to golf courses. I've never sold it to their, I never even looked on the residential side to see if it was registered. So is that typically just, I mean, I guess it is because I've never sold Ron Star to a residential property so, or a residential lawn care company. So it must be only uh golf course. Yes, sir. Yeah. I never looked to see because I no no lawn care guys ever asked me for it. Um because we I mean we get goosegrass here in residential lawns, but believe it or not, um we, speed zone will take goosegrass out. Um at, at the high rate at one point six five ounces per thousand. It'll take uh, goosegrass out. Um so clearly, you know, we could take uh Virginia button out weed out with it too at the same time if we had to. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, and it's, it's, I just, I just hate to overuse it. Oh, yeah, definitely. definitely. But, you know, it keeps on coming back and they're expecting it to die. So until, you know, I can find something better. I mean, I, someone may have a better answer. I just haven't found one that truly works. Well, I know I don't because it's very, it's not really widespread up here yet. So, um, but I'm sure as like Green Kalinga did up here, you know, 10 years ago, Green Kalinga, we saw it in golf courses, uh, but we were down in the southern, southern part of New Jersey. Um, but now it's all the way up probably to, I'm going to say central Jersey in that ballpark. And then it gets a little, I guess it, it's a little bit too cold in the uh, uh, winter up there. I And I could totally be wrong. I, people up in that area could be like listening to this and going, dude, you're out of your mind. It's all over the place up here. Um, but down here, South Jersey, Delaware, Maryland, I think green Kalinga is really, 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 really bad. Oh man. Yeah. It's, it's not a fun thing. And the product of choice that you, we should be using is, uh, Solero. And there's a new one coming out from PBI called Archeon. I think it's called, um, I don't have any experience with that because it's new, but I saw trials of that up in Rutgers this past year as well as a year prior and looked really, really good. But Solero right now, because I've used it, is probably the best green Kalinga product um, out in the market. Um, so. Let me write that down. Actually, I've, I've never even heard of that um, product. May not be registered down there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, man. That, that is point. common, unfortunately. So how is it that you are, 
you're gaining your your customers, Brandon. Um, basically, it's it's really word of mouth. Um, Perfect. I've just recently started doing a little bit of advertising, but it's one thing that I've always told my customers is for every yard you refer me to, um, I'll spray you for free one time, and that's really put some motivation into some people. Nice. Um, the way I look at it, you know, a hundred dollar yard refers me to a fifty dollar yard. I'm going to spray that $50 yard 10 times a year, make 500 bucks, lose 100 once, you know, making 400 bucks is still decent, and that's going to continue for the years. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, that that is a little bit of advertising, I guess you could say. Um, it's, um, But, yeah, that's that's the primary way I've done it. I've tried the yard signs. I'm going to try them again. You sound- didn't really get much hits off of them. So uh, how are you with your – root density and and what you know geographically what what does it look like in your area for your route itself how bigger neighborhoods spread out you know how how are we going so luckily i do have clusters um you know i've got one neighborhood where i can park the truck and i can hit three different lawns and then move the truck 50 feet forward and have three more lawns perfect Uh, those are your cookie cutter bermuda neighborhoods I think I've got 16 of those in one spot. And then I've got, you know, where I can spray an acre and it's three yards and move the truck one time. And that's really quick. Um, The furthest drive time I have is, I think, 20 minutes on my route before I get back into a five minutes from yard to yard, probably average. It's, um, I've really been really blessed with neighbors talking to each other and not having to go very far. I mean that the referral piece is awesome. I mean because it when that happens, it's almost a guaranteed sale because someone's speaking highly of your work. I was kind of taken back when you said the yard signs. You you were kind of hesitant to that. That hasn't worked out for you because most of the time that that's one of people's go to advertising. You know, a decent yard sign out on their properties each application um, just shows that constant over and over and over again of you being there. What what are you using for a yard sign? I mean, it, it was just your little, um, like laminated, you know, I, th- I think it was like a 12 by 12 by eight, maybe sign. Um, just sticking out of the road curb. Um, you know, with, with your logo on it and all, one of the design signs ones. Yep, exactly. Hmm. Interesting. I just find that interesting. Like I said, it's always worked very well up in our area and other people that I've spoke to, um, it, it's just interesting that you're not having as much luck with it. But again, every area is different for all. Well, I would like, I'd like to try it again now because what I've got now is like, let, let's say the cookie cutter neighborhood I'm talking about, it's going to be six yards in a row or an entire cul-de-sac. And if they all have the same sign and someone's out walking their dog, you know, as long as things look good, if you see six yards that have the same sign on them, something right's happening. So, you know, maybe, you know, just the the condensity or the what's the word I'm trying to use here, but how condensed they are. Sure, might have a little bit more of an impact on someone. A little bit more saturation. Absolutely. Yeah, I know we we've had him on. Ian uh, Thomasak he is out in Kansas, and he just created his signs uh, probably about a month ago, maybe a little sooner than that. He sent me a picture of them. They came out really, really nice. So, going to just be curious to see how the response is on him because he's really trying to pinpoint his services and focus an area to stay in within the root density, which it's no one pays for the windshield time, unfortunately. No, they don't. Now, how are you managing your clients? Is it QuickBooks, sheet of paper? Do you have a CRM system? Are you thinking of a CRM system? No, I'm, you know, nothing like that. It's, you know, I'd like to evolve into something like that too. And that's something I'd like to discuss with y'all maybe off camera, but no, it's, um, I've got spreadsheets, I've got text messages, I've got emails, and I've got letters. That's how I'm sending invoices. And then every Sunday night, um, I have someone I trust who works as an auditor, and he helps me with my books. And that's kind of how we do it right now. It's pretty primitive. I understand that. But that's kind of where I am. But that's a system that you know. And again, you know, that's the growth structure that, again, Doug and I love to talk about is I started with QuickBooks as well. I started with a notebook and slowly transitioned into what I have now, Spray, and and having that dedicated system, just, it's priceless. And and again, 
when it when the time is right and you have the time to research it and take things for a test spin, you'll see that a CRM is going to definitely just take all your hoops that you're jumping through right now and just put it in one place for you and easy to manage. And, and that'll help you a, a, a definitely a ton, especially on the financial side, because all the reporting will go into there as well, which ties into QuickBooks. And we're, yeah. we're going to be having a, uh, a Zoom meeting uh, sometime in January. We haven't picked a date out yet about you know, knowing your numbers, spreadsheets, and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, be sure to sign up for that because we'll be. It, it should be a good thing for everybody. Yeah, you do. I'm looking forward to that. And, and the yeah. way the way people are signing up, they're just sending either Doug or myself an, an email. But we will have. You know, we have um, creative content by Jessica. She's been doing a bunch of stuff for. Us. She is going to send out a social media post for that to with a link to sign up, and it'll be a Zoom meeting. Um, and it's going to be, Doug has got a ton of spreadsheets, active spreadsheets that we're going to walk through and go right down into knowing what's in the bag, what's into the jug, you know, is the price right? Yeah, Are you buying this cheap jug and is that the right way to go? Or should I buy the one that's $10 more and, and get more coverage out of that and actually save money? And we'll be open for, for comments, questions, and for participation too, because it's Doug and I don't know it all by, by all means. Well, it's, it's funny. Um, I was with someone this morning. It was a cold call on my way to an appointment that I had. I just happened to see it out of the corner of my eye and never knew, knew this person existed. And he had told me that the way he prices fertilizer is out by by the pound. Really? And I'm like, by the pound? So... If you're buying a $10 bag of fertilizer that only covers 5,000 square feet, a $20 bag of fertilizer that covers 20,000 square feet or, you know, whatever is going to cost less. Uh, that's not how I do it in my in my uh, program. It's by the pound. And I'm like, huh? I couldn't figure that one out to save my life. That's interesting. I've never, ever, ever heard that. I've heard it before, but I thought we were way removed from that that was like 20 years ago um you know i i haven't heard that in so long and i was really taken back and i said i you know i'd like to set up an appointment with you to go over your numbers someday so i have an appointment with him sometime in january he's going to call me so That's it was cool. inter- it was an interesting conversation though i haven't heard that in so long that i was like by the pound okay Jeez, farm agricultural i've heard that you know it just and that's in their purchase but it's not that they're charging people per the pound wow yeah it was interesting so brandon where, where are you in your season right now and and what is the length and duration of your season in clover south carolina well bermudans always are pretty much totally checked out so they're brown um, brown and down yep they're kind of put to bed with fungicide and pre-emerge and We'll wake them back up in April, late April, early May, usually. Um, Fescue, right now, we're still in recovery mode in the summer. That's been a little bit slowed due to the drought. Um, Just a personal decision I made with related to the drought was I held off on pre-emerge on fescue for a little while just because I wasn't seeing the germination I wanted. So kind of you know, obviously communicate with the customers, but sacrificed a little bit of weeds to hopefully get some more seedlings to germinate. So I'm kind of in the middle of um, fescue pre-emerge right now. Uh, that's going to be coupled with granular fertilizer, trying to, again, get that end in the ground while the months are cool and I'm not worried about brown patch or anything like that. Um, my season really ramps up in about March. Um, that would be this my spring pre-emerge. That's generally when I'm seeing my soil temperatures get to where crabgrass starts to germinate. I don't want to get behind crabgrass, um, especially in fescue, because it's just a nightmare to get rid of. So I ramp up there um, from time to time. That's on the cusp of when I'm starting to worry about warm, warm season fungicides, you know, coming out of dormancy. Um Last spring was a little bit weird. It got warm in February. Things started to green up and then shut right back down. So, you know, you you just never really know. Um, But I would say that by the end of March, I'm pretty much full tilt, getting some fertilizer out on fescue, 
Um, starting to think about warm season, really keeping an eye on the soil temperatures for crab and, well, going back to it, Bermuda and Zoysia breaking dormancy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's also just, you know, that time of year down here is also a struggle with weather again because, you know, springs are usually the rainiest for us. So getting things out and actually being able to work, I mean, it's one thing if I'm spraying, um, you know, spectacle on a warm season lawn because that's getting watered in in the rain. I'll work in the rain for that. I don't have a ride on machine, so I'm not tracking anything up. I'm not worried about it. Um, but yeah, let's say I'm making my spring Azoxy strobing app on Bermuda and Zoysia. I'd rather do that on a dry day. Um, so, you know, that it, it kind of becomes a dance with that. Um, that's, you know, and then from then on, it's growing season up until pretty much middle of October. And then I start to kind of cut back a little bit. So you you reduce your workload in the cooler months, but it doesn't stop. No, absolutely not. So no, you're three sixty five. Yep. I'm finishing up um finishing up, like I said, pre emerge on Fesky right now. I've gotta get that done by next Friday because next Friday I'm putting in three hundred and fifty feet of subsurface drainage. And then the weekend after that I turn right back around and put down fertilizer or granular fertilizer on fescue. The only reason I'm not doing that at the same time at the yard right now with the pre-emerge is because I'm limited on daylight and, you know, I've got to do one or the other. I can't do both like I could in July. What is your uh, granular fertilizer of choice? Um, Like what, what do you, uh, what is your, what is your preferable granular fertilizer and what do you put in it? Like slow release, ammonium sulfate, uh, you know, stuff like that. So in the springtime, let's go, are we talking about fescue or Bermuda? Either, um, either. It all depends. Um, You know, I I keep things really basic, man. And what I learned in school was the most basic thing to do is wait two weeks after you see germination in the fall for fescue and then go out there with my product of choice post-seeding is a 10-20-20 at a pound of K and P. And I've seen good results out of that this application that's coming up, it's going to be a 21714. And that's just going to give it a boost. Balance. Keep it some color. Yep. Keep some color through the uh, winter months. In February, temperatures start to warm up a little bit. On fescue, I'm going out with 32.35 curled with iron. And um, then I'll usually shut the year down on fescue in May or late April with another round of 10, 20, 20. I'm big on potassium, man. Um, just getting that down on fescue to get through the heat, I, you know, I, I can't argue with it. Mm-hmm. And that's just, that's just the most basic thing I've always seen in textbooks and experience on golf courses and things of that nature. Now in Bermuda, it varies. I, I tried to go with a 21 double right off the jump in May just to try to get things going. But we had a long spring last year, and frankly, it just did not get hot enough for that to do much. Um, I was basically just fertilizing off history, thinking, okay, you know, 90 degrees is right around the corner. I don't think it hit 90 consistently until the end of June here, which is unheard of. Yeah. Now, once it went, it went. But, um, yeah, for for warm season – I'm not as cautious. Um, it's a lot more quick release. There is some slow release sprinkled in there, um, especially in you know the later part of summer. Um, usually, I would say on both species, I'm four pounds of N per thousand per year. Anything less than that, I started to see a drop off in quality. Anything more than that, I started to see a lot more weeds popping through. So that's just kind of the balance that I've found in my area. And um, it is a it is a heavy clay soil here, so you know nutrients are sticking around a little bit longer than say closer to the coast. Mm-hmm. Are you uh, with SOP or MOP on the potassium? Honestly, I'm not really sure. Just I'm just curious more than anything. I just uh, I have found that you know when you get into those you know the ten twenty twenties higher amounts of of uh, potassium that uh, um, SOP is probably a better way to go. 
Um, you know, it's just, it's, I think it's safer, um, especially in the summer months. Um, and I just think it works better to be honest with you. Um, so just, just food, just food for thought. And I was just curious more than anything. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, my program is by no means perfect. Um, I've been, I've been doing this long enough to where I found things work. And now that I've found things that work, I'd like to kind of expand and try new things and see if, you know, can I improve or is what I've got going on kind of, you know, the results that I get that are, you know, going to be okay. I think that I go out with, and we can talk about this in a second, but um, I have liquid fertilizer in the tank all the time. It right. gives me the best appearance. It doesn't affect my weed pressure. And um, heck, even on warm season lawns, I'm on the lawn every month. I do spray right. growth regulators. Ah, so. don't say that yet. Don't, because we, <laughs> like I said, we have we have a hard stop. We we have another appointment, but we're gonna bring this into section two. And I know you and I talked prior to get on the show two weeks ago, and the growth regulator topic came up, and that's something we have not even played with, and. I want to save that for a completely different episode. I, I we agree. want to dive more into your liquids, who you're getting them from, yada, yada, yada. But that growth regulator, we need to open up a can of whoop-ass on that. That'll be a great topic. Oh, I don't see why more people ain't doing it. Well, we're going to we're gonna talk about that on the next... <laughs> the next. Yeah, we're going to... Because we could go for an hour on that, which... And, and it's more because I want to learn more about it, and I think everyone else does, and I think it can be a useful tool for a lot of us. I know Doug mentioned it for me for one of my sports fields that I do and, and the amount of bushing of the lawn that they do for no reason and maybe we can hold that to a nice spot of height that would be great for them well I think that one of the biggest things and this will we don't need to go any further than this but the reason why growth regulators probably should become more popular is because everyone thinks that in the spring I, I'm speaking for my area so I don't know when you're Big flush growth is in the south. It's probably more like February on fescue, February, March, right? So, you know, everyone thinks, oh, the urea or the fertilizer is what's making the grass grow. Yes, it's true. It's going to make it grow. But it's also once that grass comes out of dormancy and it starts, you know, moving, it's going to grow whether you have fertilizer on it or not. And, uh, you know, I find that, you know, more guys who cut grass out there, they're just cutting grass off three, four inches at a time and stressing the hell out of our turf. So that's where I find that growth regulators need to become an important part of turf management um, in our industry, not to sell more stuff, just to have better stand of turf. Because too many people are cutting grass the wrong way in today's world, in my opinion. And I, and I think, Brandon, you bring some great evidence behind you with the phosphates and now this, and that's, that's the golf in you. And that's what we can learn from in the management side on the residential turf of some of those practices that will make our turf healthier and, and make our jobs <laughs> a little bit easier too, which I think is great. Absolutely. So we're going to wrap this up here. Um, and we will be going into, uh, section two of this baby, which will be titled totally different, but I, it, it's going to be the educational part of growth regulators and probably a little bit more golf talk with that. We do appreciate, Brandon, that you came and are going to come back on. This is Welch Turf Solutions. He's located in um, Clover, South Carolina. Your social is, I mean, yeah, your social, you, <laughs> you'll be all right. Social media <laughs> is all at Welch Turf Solutions, LLC. Um, any other ways that people can get a hold of you, Brandon? Um, you, you know, by email would be fine. I wouldn't mind if people reached out to me that way. All right. We'll put that in the show notes because there's no sense in saying it on the air because no one's going to remember it anyway, especially me. But I have that as well. So I'll put that in the show notes for this episode. And then part two is is yet to be coming. That that's uh, We look forward to that. It's going to be some great information that we can learn from. So we, Sounds good. We, Absolutely. We thank you for the interview and, and talk to you and learn some new stuff of really mid-coast of our country and learn some more warm season and you're the mix of both. And you have yourself a great week and we will set up for round two. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Turf Nutrition and Management Podcast. We are always interested in topics you want us to dig deeper into. 
you can submit a topic or a question from the link in the show notes. Please like, subscribe, and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and share with your friends so we can all be better turf managers and successful entrepreneurs.